either you dictate the changes in your life or life will dictate the changes in your life. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you. And this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away your bottom line? And two, are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal Best Ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from your bottom line. And they want to help you reduce your loan payments to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way and it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all the interest up front versus upon distributions. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The document's at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we're doing follow on Friday today. And I just thought of this deal. This is going to be our last follow along Friday together in Cincinnati. I think you're right. Right? Yeah. Because next week, we're not doing this next week. The week of that, we're going to Dallas. Week, Yeah, the next week we're going to Dallas to look at uh, property and the whole portfolio so you can check it out. And then you'll be in Florida. Well, we might have one more. We, we might, might have one more. We might have one more. All right, the, the second week of January. All right, well, never mind then. <laughs> I, I won't shed a tear quite It yet. is the last one of the year, though. It, all right, we'll roll with that. Today on Follow Along Friday, we've got some updates as well as a formula that was presented to the attendees at Tony Robbins and Leash Power Within. Colleen and I went there last November, and they taught us this formula. I saw an application, certainly, for what we're doing with real estate investing from a finding deal standpoint and finding private money standpoint, because ultimately to do deals, regardless of what type of real estate investing you're doing, you need money and you need deals. So I figured we'd talk about that. And Theo's got an example that we're gonna talk through and then we'll go over some other updates. And all this is not about what we got going on, it's about how it can be applied to what you're doing so we can help you out. So how do we wanna do it? 
I say we go through the five steps, then we kind of just briefly talk on, on each of them, and then I can go through my example. So the five-part success formula, number one is know your outcome. Number two is know your reasons why. Number three is take massive intelligent action. Four is know what you're getting. And then step five is to change your approach until you reach or surpass your outcome. Tony Robbins calls it the ultimate success formula, and Tony Robbins isn't shy no. from using hyperbole, so <laughs> clearly this isn't just the success formula, this is the, the ultimate, ultimate success, success formula. formula. So you've got an example of how you use it or how you plan on using it, what is it? So maybe a little bit of a combination of both, so I, I was kind of just you know, thinking about this, what I really like about Tony Robbins' type of formulas, it's so simple that you can kind of look at it and, and interpret it and apply it to really anything, you can apply it to your day. You can apply it to your personal life, you can apply it to your business, you can apply it to your decade-long goal. So for me, I would assume that some people already unconsciously do this themselves, like they know, all right, I'm going to have an outcome in mind because i got to know what I'm going to do, yep. so it's got to be specific. Then step two, which I think is the biggest one, which I kind of go over in my example, as to how you not only kind of reach your goal or surpass it, but kind of continue to do it over time, because if, if you don't have a strong enough why or you don't even have a why articulated... Once you kind of reach your goal and you're at that point where you're like, all right, now what? If you have strong enough why, it'll keep you to either set a new goal or just keep consistently doing whatever your intelligent action is. Mm -hmm. And so my example, it's not a real estate related example. It's for when I started doing a podcast like two years ago. And so when I started it, obviously I didn't have like an outcome in mind. I kind of just did it because of a conversation I had with Coach Trevor actually. And over time, I would say that it wasn't a specific outcome, but I wanted to average 100 listens per episode. It was like what my goal was. And this was just strictly an audio podcast. So I did that for about a year. My reasons why were also kind of shaky and vague, which is one of the reasons why I probably don't continue to do it now, but we'll get to that in a second. So my outcome was to get, let's say, 100 downloads. And so I took my massive intelligent action. I committed to doing just one either interview-based or like a solo podcast per week. Mm -hmm. um, interview-based ones were... A little bit more simple because you just find someone and then just kind of, I'm, I'm not simple, but it's uh, prepared less. Because when I was doing the, the solo podcast, I would just like spend eight hours preparing for the podcast th before I did it. And taking the massive intelligent action and then kind of know what you're getting, change your approach. I kind of put those all kind of together because you're taking action. I'm doing my podcast, but I wasn't getting anywhere near the results I wanted. I was analyzing what I was actually getting. I wasn't reaching my 100 views. And so what I did for changing my approach, I started doing the YouTube channel instead. Mm -hmm. So instead of just doing audio, I did a YouTube channel. I also kind of changed up what I was talking about. At the time, I was kind of talking about more self-help type of things. And then for my YouTube channel, I was talking more about like social and political issues. And current events. Based off of current events. Yeah. So surprise, so my first, let's say... Two months of doing my YouTube channel, I'd get 30 views, 60 views, maybe like a hundred, like I get 120 views. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Of your YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I had five subscribers, which I guess I was happy about. And then I did one video on a current event and it ended up getting over 100,000 views. And my subscriber base increased from five to about almost 3,000 people yeah. in, in yeah. one thing. So if I would never change my approach, if I would have just kind of just kept doing mm. my audio podcast, I was getting good positive feedback on it, but I wasn't reaching the viewership numbers that I wanted. And I think that for my personality type or my unique, we always talk about unique talents, I guess I was a better fit for the, the video mm -hmm. than I was for just the audio. So I actually just scrapped the audio altogether and just focus on the YouTube. And obviously I stopped doing it for multiple reasons. 
But one of the reasons was that I was thinking about this morning before I came over, and so me getting those hundred thousand views was kind of like compared to someone like winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah. And you know, whenever someone, so whenever someone wins a lottery, you think like, oh, it's great, I bought all this money, now all we'll my problems right. are gonna be solved. We'll be right back where they started in about five <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, you've been back, right back where you started. You're going from five subscribers to three thousand. I felt a pressure, and based mm-hmm. off of kind of how I, and again, this could be an, an excuse, or this could be actually true, but I didn't think I knew enough. And I wasn't confident enough in what I was actually saying to talk to that many people. Because typically how it works is you start, and for the first like two, three, four years, you've got a very small listener base because you don't know what you're talking about. And you're improving your speaking skills, and you're kind of learning more and more of what you're actually talking about and how to present you know, certain ideas. And I kind of just exploded into so many viewers. And I was like, all right, I don't think I know enough to talk to this many. Like, I don't think my ideas are well articulated enough to present to this many people and continue to do this for an indefinite amount of time. And so for me, my next change of approach is I, I stopped. And maybe this is about three, four months ago. And I've been educating myself so that starting, and it just happens to be starting next year. It's not because of 2018 yeah. New Year's resolution. But once I move and I get my office all set up, I'm going to start doing the videos again. And it'll be very similar to what I was doing before. But I will, number one, have a lot more confident in what I'm talking about. And number two, hopefully be less divisive on the topics and not be like, oh, this is my team and I'm against these people. But that's a, a well, topic. I, I recommend, it would be cool to see on your first one coming out of the gate, it would be telling this story and telling them that you have been preparing to then deliver to a larger audience. Because that would be interesting to Yeah. So recap the five steps. Know your outcome. So we got to be specific. Number two, know your reasons why. Number three, take massive intelligent action. Number four, know what you're getting. And during that process, analyze and be self-aware. In your example, you're self-aware. Okay, here's what I'm getting. Wasn't as much. So now I'm going to go towards a different platform, which then exploded. And then five, change your approach until you get your outcome, which I guess that was when you switched from the podcast to the YouTube channel. And I can tell you that I have clients who I consult on multifamily syndication, and one of them recently told me that he had a hard time being motivated because he was pretty comfortable. Six-figure job, has equity in some homes, doing well, great wife, just comfortable, and at the time he couldn't find the motivation to really put effort towards growing his real estate portfolio Mm -hmm. in a larger way. And what I told him is that either you dictate the changes in your life or life will dictate the changes in your life. And an example is think of someone who is paycheck to paycheck. It's a family. They've got a couple kids. Well, they don't have money for vacations. They barely have money to put food on the table for the family. Mm-hmm. Then they announce that they're having another baby. Unexpectedly, wife's pregnant. Well, what happens when the baby is born? Does the baby go hungry? Most likely not. Most likely, magically, they're resourceful enough to put more food on the table and to buy diapers and whatever else. And the only thing that changed was that life dictated the change whereas if that couple would have 
controlled and then thought of, okay, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to pretend that I'm in this circumstance. I'm going to force ourselves into another level. Tony Robbins talks about raising your standards. If we were to raise our standards and pretend we are going to have another kid, and we don't plan on it, maybe we don't, but we just pretend, and then we're going to tuck away that money for saving and other things, then all of a sudden you're farther ahead. So when we talk about our reasons why and our approach, that's one thing that I constantly think about. I'm always thinking about what could Armageddon mean for my business and how can I stay one step ahead or as many steps ahead as I can to mitigate that risk from happening. And that's something that is top of mind for me. And if you are feeling comfortable, then comfort is the opposite of what you ever want to feel, in my opinion, over a long period of time. I'm cool with it over a short period of time. But really, what I want to feel is either disgusted or inspired. Because when I'm disgusted by something, that's going to make me grow and get out of the situation. Or if I'm inspired by something, that's going to, again, make me grow and get out of the situation and move to another level. Kind of that little story you just told reminds me. I was having a conversation with my buddy. I've been following this very popular psychologist. And he did this series on psychological significance of the Bible. And he was kind of analyzing the Bible stories from evolution and psychology. He, was, he told a story about, about Noah's Ark, and it's like changed my view on kind of planning and you know, never being comfortable and always striving for something to grow. And he basically says that kind of the metaphor of Noah's Ark is that a flood, a chaos, a major problem, a, an illness, a death in the family, a financial collapse is always something that's going to happen. Like a flood is always coming. Mm-hmm. And so you can either not prepare and just kind of live in the moment and give in to your impulse and just hope that everything will turn out okay. Or you can constantly be building your ark so that when chaos does come, when that flood does come, mm-hmm. you're prepared and you're able to kind of float on top of it and ride it out and survive instead of get drowned by whatever the problem happens to be. I thought that was so interesting because, yeah, even if you get six figures and you're super comfortable, there's no reason to think that that's going to sustain forever. You know, it could be a, if you're selling real estate, the real estate market could, could collapse. You could get sick and you can no longer yeah. work. So when your family could get sick and you got to pay for all that or even something even smaller than that. So that'd be kind of the analogous to the flood. And so it's like, what are you doing with yourself, whether it's, you know, personal growth or what habits are you putting in place? Or how are you diversifying your portfolio or whatever it happens to be? And that'd be you building your ark for the flood that's going to come. Oh, yeah. You could build a navy of boats and then have them for others when the flood does come. Yeah, Everyone's got a boat. I remember people always say, winter's going to come. Are you going to freeze to death or are you going to go skiing? There you go. Right? <laughs> one, one thing's going to happen. Winter is definitely coming. So are you going to have your ski pole, you know, ski hat? Or are you going to be scrounging for food? Exactly. Cool. So, yeah, so again, you can really apply this formula to anything. So, all right, so let's move on to any business updates or observations the past week. Yeah, re- real quick, I have been on three basically sales calls where people were calling to sell me on something-ish. Let me just describe them. And the purpose of me sharing this is that... One individual did a great job, and I believe it was because of contribution. You know, helping others was at his forefront, whereas the other two, one might have contribution at the forefront, but just needs to change the mechanics, and the other definitely doesn't. So here's the scenario. And this is helpful for anyone who's in sales in any capacity. Are you looking to find a motivated seller? Are you looking to bring in investors? Are you looking to just get promoted in your company as a full-time job, etc.? 
So as with Ashcroft Capital, we are looking at platforms for investor relations. Mm-hmm. We're looking at some companies that allow us to provide a more robust experience for investors. I don't know if we're going to do it right now, but eventually we will. And I was on a call with two different companies. Then the third example is an outlier of this, so I'll get to the third one in a second. But company A, the individual called me Joseph, which my name's Joe. I, and I don't mind Joseph. My, I just haven't been called that other than by my mom or my sister in a very long time. And I mentioned on the call, I go by Joe. The follow-up email, Joseph. I'm like, all right, you're not listening. <laughs> so secondly is I asked for the call to be 30 minutes or less to both of them. And they both initially scoffed at it. It's like, oh, well, what takes 60 to 90 minutes to usually do the demo? And I didn't tell them this, but my assistant was helping coordinate this. I mentioned to her, I just sent her a link to a YouTube video that described astrophysics. Astrophysics, is that a thing? Yeah. In nine minutes or less. If this woman can describe astrophysics in nine minutes or less, I can certainly see a demo of some asset management platform. It's freaking <laughs> not, not astrophysics. <laughs> I just sent that link. I was like, if she can do this in nine minutes, we don't need more than 30 minutes. That's good. So we jump on a call. Person A, who called me Joseph. So clearly, they haven't done any research on me because everyone knows I go by Joe. Number two is they said, well, let's dive right in. And they just plowed through the demo. They didn't ask me any questions. Mm -hmm. And it's a condensed amount of time. So if I'm them, I'm thinking, what is my outcome? My outcome is to, if I can't get through everything, which I should be able to, then it's at least to continue the conversation. So peak enough interest and continue the conversation and show value during this call. Well, in order to do that, they need to know what their customer is seeking Mm -hmm. because they're not sure what exactly I'm looking for. So they just plowed through the demo and they went six minutes over and I had to interrupt and say, hey, I had a call that started six minutes ago. I got to run. And then they followed up about six times after that with, hey, are you going to join? Are you going to sign up? Are you going to join? What's going on? Is it pricing? Is it?" That was not with contribution at the forefront because if they're focused on others, then it would not be about what they have to show, but rather what can they give that is helpful for the other person. And this is directly applicable to every aspect of real estate investing and entrepreneurship. The other person, company B, great rapport, started out asking me questions. Mm -hmm. I know we got limited time. Usually our demo takes 60 to 90 minutes. What are you looking for? What are some pain points or what can I show you. And I mentioned, here's the process I go through with investors from start to finish. And here's what we're looking to optimize. And we went through everything after he asked me questions. And then we went through some stuff. Then we ended the conversation. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. The third is there was someone who reached out to me on Bigger Pockets and said, I'm creating something. I'm in the tech space. I want to create something to help people in your industry. Can you jump on a call? And I reply to all my messages, but I can't jump on a call with everyone who asks for a call. So I wasn't sure if I was going to or not. So I wanted mm-hmm. to think about it. So I, I asked this person to email Samantha, my assistant and right-hand person. She does more than this. She's my operations person. <laughs> and they emailed her and they said, Joe would like to set up a 30-minute call. 
<laughs> I believe after talking to this person, it was an innocent mistake. I don't think it was intentional to put words in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I fully believe it was an innocent mistake. This person seems like a really nice person after talking to the person. So anyway, at first I'm like, oh, I see it on my calendar yesterday, and I'm like, who, who? <laughs> I can't even find it in my emails, and I don't think to search bigger pocket. So I asked Samantha, who's this person again? What are we doing? And she sent me, I was like, I wanted to talk to you about having maybe a call this, but I, so anyway, we set up, the call is that later uh, in the day, so I jump on the call, but when I jump on the call, I say, so-and-so, I have 10 minutes. And this person talked to a couple people in my situation before who mm-hmm. do what I do, and he's talked to them for more than, th- like, 30 minutes. And I said, I got 10 minutes. And it frazzled him, big time. He started going through his questions that he probably was going through with other people who had a longer period of time. And eventually he said, I don't think I can get through this stuff in 30 minutes. And ultimately he was trying to create software that addressed pain points that I had. And that was the assumption that he had, that I had pain points. Well, I didn't have pain points as it related to what he was looking to do. And that was a false assumption that he had. So if he, instead of going into an assumption that I had pain points, if he would have asked me, well, first off, I want to challenge my own assumption. Do you have any pain points in your business as it relates to X, Y, Z? I would have said no. And then that was really it. That would be the end of the conversation. If he would have emailed me that, then that would be it. But he had the assumption that he was going to ask me a bunch of questions when in reality asking, hey, let me challenge my assumption first. And then here's the outcome of the conversation. What we ended up doing in 10 minutes or less was I gave him one of my clients who does have those pain points, and he's going to talk to the client and spend some time, and after he creates something, maybe help out the client and my other clients. So taking a step back, it's asking questions because we want to help out others first and foremost. We don't have a predetermined agenda, and when we do ask the right questions prior to or at the beginning of the conversation, then our conversation will lead to greater results than we could ever generate Mm -hmm. if we just dove into whatever we wanted to talk about. And that is so true with investor conversations when you're meeting with an investor for the first time. That's true for when I interview fix them flippers and wholesalers who speak to owners. If you take time and learn about their situation and learn what the solutions could be versus here's how I can help you, you don't know how you can help them because you haven't asked them the question. Yeah, in my previous jobs, last sales job, I took, a, you know, I took months and months of sales training. That's obviously they, <laughs> months and months of sales training. You learn a lot. But the main theme is always instead of just going out there and just like throwing up all the information that you have, you figure out what it is they actually care about and then you find what you have, what technology you have or whatever, what service can you provide to fix that specific problem instead of talking about things that they don't care about. And if you, yeah. don't, if you don't ask them what they care about, it's impossible to know. So yeah, yeah, it's a story. Cool. What about you? What you got going on? Well, I found a renter for my current personal residence in Cincinnati. Outstanding. So you were trying to get twenty. I was twenty five hundred bucks. Twenty five. Twenty five hundred. You got the highest end of what you're looking to get. We did. And Craigslist. No, it's funny. I put it on Craigslist, 
And the one response I got from Craigslist was obviously some sort of automated tech service. Oh. Because I goes, hey, you know, this is so-and-so. Uh, we're interested in basically like lease, lease owning your oh. property. And I was like, uh, no, not really. And then like instantaneously, <laughs> it comes back with like a really long text. They should change that algorithm. They should. They didn't like thirty have, seconds they didn't, or they something. Delay it because like yeah. once I knew what it was, yeah. I got turned off. But if you would have said the same thing and delayed it by thirty seconds, I probably they would have hooked you. Oh, <laughs> they they could have hooked me. Oh. But so I found the inventor on Zillow, and so basically there's a, a thing called Hot Pads. Mm-hmm. Is if you put in a Hot Pads, it goes to Zillow, oh. Trulia, and then obviously it goes on Hot Pads, and then some maybe some other service. So it puts it everywhere. So we got some doctors. That are going to rent it out. I think the husband has a fellowship in Cincinnati for two years, and so we'll have to rent it out for two years at twenty five hundred bucks. And outside of that, I've been really enjoying having a property management company manage my fourplexes. Have you gotten your first monthly P and L? Not yet. With he, their fees included, we'll, yeah, we'll talk we'll to you after you. Talk to me after that. Yeah. <laughs> but because he hasn't done it for a full month yet, so I get my first statement sometime next month. So yeah, we'll see how I feel after that, but. It was just a huge weight off my chest. Mm. There's been a couple of problems, and they're just right on it. He's really good because he owns his own properties, and he's got his contacts. But he'll send me like a, like a long email, like, "All right, here's the problem was. Here's who's fixing it. Here's a link to their their company. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here's, here's, here's how much it would have cost if we would have done this." Boy, like, man, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's not scalable for him. I guarantee yeah. you that. If, if as he grows his business, you're not going to be getting those long emails. I, I, I might though if I keep I, giving him business. I'm his main, if I'm his maybe, main customer. Maybe. And then, besides that, I'm kind of just preparing for the move to Tampa, and kind of once we get settled down there, I'll uh, maybe perhaps a couple months, we kind of resupplenish our bank account. I'll send out that direct mailer I've been talking about, and I've been, you know, you've, been, you've had a lot of podcasts recently about kind of what the best practices are for direct mail, and so I've got a lot of, basically all the best practices wrapped up in a pretty box for me that I'll just implement and test over time, and, you know, the goal is just to find one property over time, if we get more properties, figuring out what to do with that, what to do with those, wholesale or whatever. But on the best lover blog, do we have a section with just direct mail? We have a section called lead generation. Lead generation, now. okay. Yeah, and that's where all these direct mail. Yeah. Uh, so right stuff. now, there's I think okay. as of yesterday, there was about twenty nine. Oh my gosh. Lead generation. All right. So you can there. go to thebesteverblog.com and thebesteverblog.com and then you can get all those lead generation articles. Yep. And this is kind of a new thing we're doing. So if you see that, even advice on you know, adding categories, breaking up categories, any positive or feedback or constructive criticism, you know, definitely email it to us so we can improve it and make it better for everyone. Yeah. Yep. You know, also, we're getting close to the Best Ever Conference in, yeah. in Denver. So that's, that's exciting. So make sure you go to besteverconference.com to get your ticket for that. We just announced a couple other people on the funding side, so you can go to yeah besteverconference.com and, and check it out. Also, make sure you, if you're an active Facebook user, if you're not an active Facebook user, make sure you check out the Best Ever Show community. It is a group on Facebook. where We should be streaming live from there right now, so if you're on there, thanks for joining. One but, thing about the Best Ever Show community, one thing we do is a self-promotion Saturday and we randomly pick one person or company that mentions their stuff on that thread and we promote it on the... Where do we promote it, Grant? On the Joe Fairless page. On the Joe Fairless page, which has like you know 2,000 or something people who like it. So you get more exposure that way. And 
just something we make the community stronger. Everyone, as everyone elevates their business, we all benefit. So that's one tactical way of benefiting from becoming a, a free member of the best ever community on Facebook. Finally, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review for the opportunity to be the review of the week. This week we have the pleading teacher. Hmm. And he or she says, Joe is a fantastic podcast host and does a great job of drawing out information during the episodes that are super helpful for those in the real estate business. Great podcast. Well, thank you for that, especially if you are a teacher. That means a lot. And I've personally been enjoying doing the interviews a lot lately. I had a lull. I don't know when. It was a while ago, but I hit a lull. But now I'm really focused on the interviews again. And I think it's because after attending the Tony Robbins conference, I was like, okay, love and contribution, those are going to be my two driving needs instead of love and significance. And now that contribution is more at the forefront and I'm more consciously focused on helping others I just enjoy doing the interviews more, and I'm confident that that's going to show in the quality of Mm -hmm. the interviews that we do and more thoughtful questions and just paying more attention to what they're saying. And you'll really see that in the new year because that's when the interview, because we're about 60 days out. When I interview someone, it publishes in about 60 to 70 days later because we've got just a, a lot of people who are wanting to be on the show and we're also reaching out to based on being qualified so that's something that i appreciate the compliments and my goal is to continue to improve and get better i wonder if the trampoline has anything to do with it too trampoline <laughs> yeah i do have a little trampoline in my office now I bounce on that a lot prior to the interviews that is so helpful it just it shake things out well best ever listeners thank you for listening to today's show and we will talk to you tomorrow today's sponsor patch of land has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper they show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and conversely how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan needless to say you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's the corporate investor.com.